my biggest strength is how relatable and likable I can be. But I've used it in so many horrible, disgusting ways. I've used my gift to control people. I use my gift to get away with whatever the fuck I wanted. I use my gift to manipulate situations to make me look like the good guy. You're a scumbag. You're a liar. You're an alcoholic, addict, and a psychopath. I actually convinced myself that I was one of the good guys. I know it's in me somewhere, but it's buried. Nobody wanted anything to do with me because I was a piece of shit. I had a phenomenal upbringing. I was taught to live my life with morals, integrity, the whole nine yards. And unfortunately, you cannot teach the switch to flip off. When that switch turns on, it doesn't matter what you tell me, it doesn't matter what I learned when I was five years old, I will get high every single time because it is me, me, me. This is just a public service announcement to maybe some parents that are listening to this podcast. If you feel any guilt whatsoever of cut the shit right now, you are not the culprit. There's nothing in the world that you could have taught them better, told them better, showed them better, that was going to stop your child from getting high. I don't want to say I didn't, I wasn't thinking what I was doing was wrong. I thought I was just doing what I had to do to survive at the time. Please don't be mad at me. The days of hiding from my problems stop now. The days of giving up on myself stop now. The days of me destroying relationships just so I could feel something stop now. Even if we're monsters in our act of addiction and we can't fathom the shit we've done, we are all worth it. We are all worth it to see those sober days. Welcome to a new episode of An Addictive Perspective. If you like what you hear, please go in and subscribe so you know when the new episodes are coming out. Enjoy the episode. Go ahead, Matt. Uh, the only thing I'm going to say about Taylor's goatee is, look, my man, if if five years doesn't give you growth, like, look at him now. That goatee was awful, dog. Like, whenever I think I'm doing, like, life's tough, I'm doing bad, I just think about that goatee, and it's just like, well, at least I don't know. Yeah, my I don't know. They, have to, they might have to do a study on uh, Taylor. Yeah, heroin probably stunts your facial hair growth, I think. Oh, it dude, it's not like even just stunted. He looks like 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 just junky Jack's teller just walking around. <laughs> like, <laughs> my, my guy was not okay. He does like shopping at Dollar General. Yeah, it's like he went in there and you get like the season one of Sons of Anarchy, but it's Dollar General and it's like <laughs> shitty <laughs> actors. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> but uh, all right, so let's start episode 13. I can't believe it's episode 13. We've been gone for a minute. Um, but we are back somehow, some way. Thank goodness. Caitlin has been pushing us. She is our guest and Matt just disappeared, but that's okay. We can move on without him. Uh, so <laughs> Caitlin Longer, she, um, what do you call it? Directed, produced? Is it both? What is it? Um, created. I mean, created. Okay. I, I did all aspects of the film really. I mean, I had help obviously, but Right, right. No Limits, No Boundaries is the uh, name of the documentary. Um, and it's only on Vimeo, correct? Or is it anywhere else? Uh, it's currently? on Vimeo and YouTube. Vimeo and YouTube. I will connect everyone with the link when we post it on social media and make the announcement about the episode. Um, <clears throat> so what we need to get back to is our true roots and getting to uh, how we do our introductions for this podcast episode. And what we start out with, Caitlin, is we do what we're thankful for. <clears throat> so uh, I'm going to let Taylor lead us off on that one. What I'm, what I'm grateful for, um, I would say... Not having that goatee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not back, apparently. For sure. No, but um, for my support group, I had a competition this weekend. Josh, his wife, um, they took a long trek down four and a half hours same with my wife brought my son so not just that I mean just in life in general um people show up for me um point blank and I'm super super grateful for that to have such amazing support group and family around me 
I'll go first, so or I'll go second, so that Matt can uh, collect his thoughts after he just returned to the podcast. Welcome back, Matt. Um, I <laughs> I'm thankful for bedtime uh, because I just got the girls to bed and it was a nightmare tonight. Uh, Blake didn't want to eat. It was it was awful. <laughs> but uh, and um, and Spencer's up there with Becca, and I'm grateful to have Becca to help me with that. But uh, definitely grateful for some peace at the end of night and some mommy daddy time when the kids are sleeping. So. All right, Matt, go ahead. I'm grateful for uh, Country Store Hot Bologna Sticks and Country Store Hot Bologna Sticks only. Those things fucking hit, man. (laughs) The ones you get is little Sunoco. You just go in, you're just like, yeah, a little jalapeno and cheese. Like, turns your day around. You're having a B of a day. That's going to turn it into an A minus real quick. Yeah. I could have guessed a thousand things you were going to be thankful for, and it wouldn't have been country store bologna sticks. Um, everybody's thankful for their support. They make jalapeno. Okay, I'm, I'm still sober. I don't. Know, I don't really get it. I don't know how this is happening, but we still are. You know? Do they make? They really make jalapeno cheddar country store bologna sticks. I can't hear you, dude. But I imagine whatever you said was clever and thought out and funny, and like matches all the things that I'm looking in. Those deep blue ocean eyes. <laughs> Moving on. All right, Caitlin, you got something you're thankful for? Um, I am thankful for a lot of things, but um, one of the biggest things is just the opportunities that have come from this film. Uh, being able to share my story, my experience with addiction, um, and and just every opportunity, people that have reached out and been thankful for um, being able to hear stories that they can relate to. Um, so whether they be law enforcement, which were included in the film, um, whether it be someone who has a family member or someone that is in active addiction or was in active addiction, I, I'm just really grateful for every opportunity that's come from it. That is very well put. Um, so that takes me perfectly into the, uh, the episode today is... I had a couple questions for you. I just wanted to get the conversation flowing a little bit. The first conver- or the first question that I had, and you guys can interrupt too, but I wanted to open up with this question was uh, basically what was the motivator for uh, doing this other than you had to do it for school, you had to make a documentary for school. Um, what, what helped you choose that uh, this uh, topic, I suppose? So I had the idea um, in high school. I was a senior in high school. And I'd considered doing it, but I'm glad that at that point I didn't because I didn't have the resources. I didn't have the support. I didn't have the opportunity that I did when I got to college. Um, so it came time for my senior capstone, which is our big project at the end of our senior year in college. And um, the plan was to do a film that I knew was an easy way out. Um, I knew that I'd be able to get people to participate in this particular film. And then I kind of had to check myself because I wanted to put something out that had meaning, something that had meaning to me and something that had meaning to others. Um, I'm not typically one that likes to get involved in projects that, that don't impact other people. Um, so I kind of went back to this idea in that I had in high school and decided to pursue it. So um, the idea originally came though through uh, one of my best friends, Jeremy. So at the end of the film, you see it says in memory of, of him. Um, He had lived with my family off and on. um, And when he first moved in with us, he was, he was sober. Um, So just from hearing stories from him and seeing how much he had changed, I wanted to tell that story. Um, unfortunately, it obviously didn't. He he didn't make it, but um, I was still able to learn so much. And, and even during the making of the film, um, I saw him in active addiction. So uh, it was really weird for me starting the film, knowing that he was sober um, and that he was in recovery. Um, but I'm grateful for everything that I was able to learn through that entire process. So not only was I doing the film, but I was dealing with, um, 
seeing him in active addiction and and kind of living the life that Michaela talks about in my film. Um, seeing someone that you love and not knowing how to help, um, what to do. So I'm, I was, I was fully engaged in this project, but also doing a crazy amount of research, um, to incorporate, incorporate in the project. Um, so that he was the reason that I, that I did the film. Um, and the intention was to get him involved a little bit more. But because he was in active addiction, um, it was kind of when I when I was able to catch him when he was clean, uh, when he didn't have something inside of his system that he could contribute a little bit. But um, he he was he was the inspiration behind the film from the very beginning. And Taylor, did you know that when she was uh, she asked you to be in the film, did you know that Jeremy was like the main motivator or? Yeah. Yeah. I knew that from, you know, cause I had a good relationship with him too. And, um, through that time from, you know, working with Caitlin's dad and working with Jeremy, um, you know, me and Caitlin kind of formed a relationship of our own and, you know, we talked about that stuff. So yeah, I knew basically that, um, Jeremy was really supposed to be, or one of the focal points of it, but unfortunately we know with, um, addiction, how powerful a disease it is. It just really never panned out that way. And so he was, so you had said that Jeremy, we had Jeremy's mother on, um, for an episode. I don't know if you listened to it for, uh, Jeremy's journey. Um, so I guess he was sober when you initiated, when you initially started the documentary and then he picked up his habit in the middle or like after you were editing. So when I was a senior in high school, he was sober. Um, and then I don't know how long before we actually started the film, he started using again. Um, because I know Taylor and I did our first interview um, in the woods by the camper. I believe it was like July time frame, And it wasn't long. Maybe it was June. It might have been June. Um, but it was only a couple weeks after that, that Jeremy had relapsed and OD'd. And I believe that was the time that he, um, ended up in the hospital, which that would have been around July 4th. I think it was cause it, it happened at a celebration, I, something like that. Um, so it, it was kind of like in the middle of the planning, but very beginning of actually filming. Um, but for a couple years when he lived with us, he was, he was sober, um, at least with the hard drugs. Um, sure. I mean, he didn't, he hadn't completely given up everything. He wasn't living a fully sober life, but, um, as far as hard drugs, as far as I know, a lot of that time he was clean until right around the time of the docu documentary. I know there was a couple, um, relapses in between there, but nothing as deep as, as he ended up getting back into. Sure. Didn't sure. he also, I think he went to rehab right around the time, like at the end of our filming. Yeah. Wasn't so that? he, um, he made it to the showing and that was the, one of the last times that I saw him in person. Um, I think it actually might have been the last time that I saw him in person. Um, he went to rehab. It would have been, I think the summer, summer before that. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So then he had gotten out, um, right around Thanksgiving time. And, um, he moved out of my house that January sometime in the winter. Um, and then he did end up making it to the screening, but that was, that was the last time I had physically seen him. Okay. So, and to, and to give like people a little pers perspective or backstory, like this filming, if you didn't kind of understand like the timeline, this filming wasn't just over the course of one or two months. I, I think we were doing interviews and she was getting footage of me for probably seven, eight months ish. Yeah. So, we're talking about a pretty big timeline of 
the filming and kind of, you know, how Jeremy kind of progressed through that time period as well. Yeah, I would okay. say in total, it was probably about a year total working on the, the project. Sure. A lot can change. A lot can change, especially for someone who's in active recovery, active addiction um, in that short amount of uh, in that short amount of time frame. It could happen in a second versus filming over a year. Um, right. So was that was that distracting for you when you were making the film that this guy that you knew was, you know, I mean, obviously you knew something was going on that he fell off the fell off the wagon during that. Was it a motivating factor? Was it a distraction? Um, I think more than anything, it just gave me a different perspective. So you can listen, you can sit and listen to stories like Taylor's or, or anyone who has had an issue with addiction. Um, you can sit and listen to it and feel empathy, but when you see it firsthand and you see how badly it affects that person and their family and even people who weren't super close with them, when you start seeing that firsthand it's it's a whole different game um so it was definitely like i'm not saying that it was a good thing but but it i learned a lot from it from the process and um at times it might have been a little bit distracting but it also was motivating and um it definitely pushed me to make sure that I was getting the stories that I wanted, that I was, that I was putting out a story that people could relate to. And even if they couldn't necessarily relate, they were kind of getting a little bit of that feeling, like understanding how deep it really goes, because it's not just someone saying, Oh, I'm going to go use drugs today. It's so much deeper than that. There, there's so many deep rooted issues with every person that uses. So it was just, a big eye opener for me. And how much knowledge did you have on the topic going into the, like when you started filming it, was there just, you knew Jeremy had his stuff that he was dealing with. Um, and you obviously you knew Taylor was having stuff that he had dealt with, but did you have any like firsthand experience that kind of got you motivated to do it? Or was it just kind of like, oh, I'm interested in this topic. I'll start this. And you learned a bunch while you were doing it. I didn't have much knowledge prior to to filming. I would actually say that my my mindset was completely different. Um even even before meeting Jeremy, my my mindset was always kind of more negative like um it's all choice and well you're dumb enough to use then obviously you're you're going to have to suffer the consequences, but that's not now looking back, it feels very naive and um, a little bit, a little bit selfish. I would say not taking the time to think about what someone might be dealing with and why they might be using. And so I didn't have much knowledge. And uh, going into it, I I wanted to get as much knowledge as possible while exploring these stories because I I wanted to have the facts behind it too. Um, so it it was more learning in the process and and even continuing to learn it's something that is hard to fully grasp but um, my mindset has absolutely changed and now i see now now i understand it more than i sure than i think i ever could have before was there anything like big that popped out that shocked you about the whole experience or something that you learned where it was like, Oh wow, this was a turning point in how I view addiction and, or how I view, you know, police law enforcement or family of those affected by addiction. Was there like an aha moment? Um, I think it probably would have been, um, it would have been the moment where, I was on vacation. Um, we were out west, and I, I remember it so clearly. I was in the bathroom uh, straightening my hair. It was the day before my birthday. We were we were on vacation. It was like a two week out west trip, and um, I, we were we were going to some kind of attraction, whatever. But my mom had gotten a phone call 
and I hear her her questioning like, well, where is he now? What what's happening? Like, just all kinds of questions. And um, I walk out and I said, what's going on? And they had found my aunt had called my mom and she had found Jeremy on our back porch. Um, he had OD'd and she had talked to him five minutes before that. She was, she just happened to be at my house painting and, um, went down and he wasn't responding anymore. So, um, everything was in slow-mo. Um, I just remember being hysterical and in that moment, nothing else mattered. It didn't matter what he did to get there. Um, it didn't matter all, every bad choice that he made in that moment. It didn't matter. All that mattered was I wanted to make sure that my friend was okay and that somebody was going to get there in time to give him another chance to, to give him another chance at life to, to live, just to live, just, I don't know for, I can't even describe the feeling that I had, but I remember being so hysterical. And thankfully that time somebody did make it in time. Um, and, and then he, he was okay. And I remember he, he talked to me about it later and he said, um, that there was a trooper that showed up. So not only did EMS show up, but a trooper showed up to that scene. And he said that the trooper treated him like a human. He asked him to go take a walk with him. And instead of searching him or, or trying to get him in trouble, because sometimes depending on who the cop is, they will try and get around that because sometimes they think that, that jail might help, or maybe they're just ignorant to the fact that, that people are struggling and there's, there's different ways to go about it. But um, I remember him being so grateful for that cop because he took him and he walked with him and he talked to him like a human and acknowledged um, that he was struggling and that he needed help. And in that moment, he could have been that hard cop, that it Mr. Tough guy, but he took the time to sit and to talk with him. And, and honestly, it, it just comes down to treating him like a human and, and having empathy. And I think that was the moment that I gained respect for that officer, that trooper, but also realized on, on such a deep level just how much something like that can affect you. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what the choices that you made were, that everybody deserves a chance at life. And, and that's really all that matters. It's, it's not about our personal opinions at the end of the day. It's about life and helping other people get to a point where they can live and, and live a was, good life at that. Yeah. Yeah. Meaningful life. Right. And, you know, you, you had talked about your biases in the beginning where when you started, <clears throat> before you started doing this, you're like, it's a choice, it's a choice, you know, um, or you had whatever. I, I think all of us in this world, I think before you, if you haven't like grown up around it all the time. Right you have a personal bias where, you know, oh, they could choose to do this or they could choose not to do that or uh, they're just worthless junkies or, you know, whatever. Maybe people don't take it that far, you know, but there has to be a point in your life where you start to think <clears throat> those certain things, depending on whatever topic it is. It doesn't even have to be on the topic of addiction. You might just judge someone because they might be having a bad day and they flip you off while they're driving past you. Well, you don't know that they just lost custody of their kids or you don't know maybe their mom just died or maybe their loved ones in the hospital are trying to get there and you cut them off or they think you cut them. There's, there, it's, there's a human being component to right. this thing we call life. And so, you know, obviously that wasn't the end for Jeremy. Obviously it wasn't his rock bottom. Um, so did that component like take that where, okay, you know, maybe this isn't a choice up to a certain point. Did you, did you kind of lose that bias that you had? Um, I remember you talking about that earlier. So that's the only reason I'm bringing up that specifically. Right. Um, I think so. I mean, um, that was shortly before he went to rehab. So I had already been pretty far into the project at this point. Um, but that was, that was really just the moment where it really hit me. So I'd already, 
begun to change that mindset and it was different, but that was the moment that it really, really hit me. And I really understand, understood on, on a deeper level. Um, I don't, I don't know before that, at what point it really started to change. I guess it would just be from hearing, hearing a little bit of Taylor's story and because up until that point, I hadn't really been around it too much. Um, I had a distant family member who died of addiction, um, but I didn't know them. I wasn't around them. I didn't, I didn't know much about it. A lot of people are really hush hush um, when when someone in their family or or their friends have an addiction, um, and especially if they die from addiction. And I'm really grateful that. Jeremy's family was not that way. Um, that instead they used they used that to be able to make a change and and to get the word out there and and let people see a little bit more of the human aspect of it. So. Absolutely. And I, you know, I told Taylor this before, you know, <clears throat> I I had met Jeremy maybe twice. Um and man, what a light. What a light he yeah. was, you know. Um it's just people just they read the stories in the papers they read the stories online they you know you don't understand or grasp it until you know that person personally and they're close to you and you can see what was wasted and you know and what they gave what wasn't wasted and what could have been if it would have just continued um yeah and he was a great friend and i know he helped taylor along his path um you know so it's just you know, that, that whole portion of it is just very, very unfortunate. And, you know, that's why we do this podcast. It's what, you know, you said people keep it in the dark and keep it quiet and keep everything a secret. Well, we're trying to end that with this. So, um, you know, Taylor, I don't know after hearing some of those questions and stuff, if you had anything specific that you wanted to ask. Not, not off the top of my head, but I do remember that time because I think, I think when you guys were still out West, um, I actually quote unquote babysat Jeremy at your yeah. house yep, you did. for like three or four days straight, um, before he actually went to rehab. So, right. yeah, I kinda, you know, I remember it was right around that time. Um, but I guess my question, I think I've kind of asked you before, um, was the initial project, was it, how do how did you kind of get to the point where you evolved into the different perspectives on it like from the law enforcement side from the family member was that kind of always the original format or did that kind of develop along with everything else so what i should say let me cut in here quick is that in the documentary what taylor's talking about is that um the it's kind of filmed from three different perspectives and uh caitlin you can correct me if i'm wrong on any of these and then start your answer the question taylor asked but uh, it's from the perspective of you know an addict that's in active recovery um from the perspective of law enforcement and then from perspective of a family member of someone who is struggling with addiction or an active recovery pretty much covered it right but that's kind of how the film that's what taylor's asking where'd that idea come from yep so uh originally i i had just planned on it being taylor um, telling his story. Um, but getting, getting a little bit farther in, I had already been involved in, um, a couple of the local programs. So I had a little bit of a connection with Brittany Alexander. Um, I didn't know her super well. Um, but I, I began to see a little bit about how, how they're involved too. Um, because like we said earlier, it's not just the person that's using it. It doesn't just affect them. It affects everybody. Um, so how I actually thought of uh, getting getting an officer involved, I'm not sure. I don't remember anymore. Um, but I do remember um, being at an event and um, just thinking, oh, man, that would be so cool to have a cop in it, like to hear a cop's perspective. Uh, but when I originally asked her to be in it, I didn't expect her to be, uh, 
a so deeply affected but b um just just such a good human she was not only someone that was empathetic but um she she wasn't afraid to share her experiences um so like the exposures that she's been in or that she's the things she's been exposed to um the situation she's been in uh very open to ride-alongs letting me um kind of shadow her and um it was it was everything i wanted and more uh i couldn't have picked a better cop i don't think to be a part of it she she absolutely brought something to the table that i didn't expect um and taylor even said that that's the only cop that he uh <laughs> he would he would hang out with i think those were the words <laughs> after we did a, a q a um yeah but she you you think of a cop and them being the ones putting um drug dealers away and addicts away uh as being the bad guys and they're not the bad guys and i think that she did a really good job of telling her story and just letting people see how it affects them um so then as far as michaela getting involved um at that point I had Taylor and I and Brittany and um I was kind of just sitting there and thinking well I have these two perspectives but what about someone that that has experienced it on a different level let's let's just see what what kind of long-term effects um it has on someone who who has a family member that's used or has had an issue with addiction whether it be short-term or long-term active or recovery um so I actually already knew Michaela, so it was an easy, easy connection. Um, and and there were a couple other people that I had talked about interviewing. Like I, I thought about including a someone who was dealing drugs, um, but I I figured that having a cop in it and a drug dealer probably weren't a good idea because there were there were too many opportunities for issue let me go record someone do doing something illegal and then go straight to the police station to do a ride along it just it didn't seem right so um i i really think that having all three perspectives really made it much more powerful and i'm glad that i chose that route um but but it was definitely just trying to show how how deeply it affects others too, that it, it goes just, it goes beyond the addict. It's not just one person that it's affecting. Everybody can say, um, we'll just let them go ahead and do it. Um, if they're not hurting anybody, then, then they're fine. But that's not, that's not how addiction works. You're not just hurting one person. You're hurting, you're hurting others too. I have another question. Did you okay. actually get a drug dealer to agree to be documented? Were they going to do the ski mask drug zinc thing? I did not. I didn't. I didn't oh, okay. find a drug dealer yet. I mean, I don't. I don't know too many, so um, I didn't have that connection. But I was. I was considering finding one. That would have been badass. <laughs> I did. I did interview um, an undercover cop from the Pennsylvania State Police as well, but. Um, I ended up not using him just because I didn't have room and I felt like it would have, it would have been too much law enforcement and I didn't want that. I didn't want one story to overpower any other. Um, and I felt like what I had already had was, was good. I think that <clears throat> what you had was very powerful because when I, <clears throat> when I heard that you were making the documentary, I was like, oh, okay, college students making documentaries, you know, it's probably going to be cool but how how in depth is it and then you guys like i got to see you firsthand with your um i don't even know your co-student or whatever what's he making a documentary yeah, yeah. as well uh you know and all the equipment and everything in depth on what you guys were doing and uh i was actually really excited to go and see it at the movie theater and when they had it up there i was like wow this this shit is phenomenal it's like so good and I might have been partial, but I was like, that hers was the best film there. Um, so hopefully none of your other students are listening to this <laughs> podcast, but um, not to shit on them. There was one with like no words at all. And I was like, oh, OK, there's like 
it's just really artsy. Like I that. think there was. Yeah. I think there was a train one, wasn't there? I kind of, I kind of fucked with the model train one. I kind of <laughs> liked it. I kind of liked it, but. I was like, damn, like, like exactly what you're saying about the police officer name is Brittany, right? You said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like just for you to find her. And she was like the only, sounds like she was like the only cop that you had talked to, like to luck out with her. She was so, so perfect for the film. Mm -hmm. Um, So it just, it's almost like one of those things where it's like, it was meant to, it was meant to be on like how well it was done and how, how it came up you know came about and everything because everyone that you had in there was perfectly fitting um so uh how how long was it that they had to make it then was it like a 20 minute thing or 15 minute or um i think mine might be like 12 minutes um and they actually wanted to shorten how long of a film we could have and i was like there's no way i don't i don't know how i'm gonna shorten it i can't I can't. So I even considered um, on my own making an extended version. Um, But by the end of it, I was honestly just so burnt out that I couldn't. I put I put so much time and effort um, into that project that I just didn't have any more to give at the end. Um, But it was. it, It was one of the best projects I think I've ever done and one that I'm proud of like I still cringe watching certain parts I see I see all the mistakes watching it um but at the same time I can sit there and I can still quote everything because I've sat there and and gone through it so many times um but I'm just I'm really grateful with how it turned out and um every opportunity that came from it and and even the relationships that I still have with everybody in the film um everybody who was involved I still keep in contact with so um it was just really great to have a project that was so personal, but also um, opened up doors. And I think that uh, it definitely gave people in the community um, a different perspective. So I'm not saying that everybody that watched the film was radically changed, but um, I think that for most people, even for 30 seconds, they could sit and think, wow, that's, that's something I'm glad that I didn't deal with or wow, someone I can relate to. So um, I'm just really happy with how it turned out. There's definitely things that I could have done better, but um, at the end of the day, I'm just, I'm grateful for how it did turn out. I'm pretty sure if you talk to Martin Scorsese or Quentin Tarantino or any of those guys, they'd be like, Oh, I wish I would have done this differently. Or, Oh, I wish I would have had an extra million dollars, put this explosion there. Some (laughs) shit. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's truly though. It's like, any any person making art or making like something if you're creating something you go back on it and you can be like oh my god what what the hell just happened when we do this podcast i'm like why did i have to say um and 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 all those things that i said and why did i have to word it that way you know what i mean it's like it's just whenever you're doing that sort of thing if if people are getting the the message truly out and it was so i to me i'm like I'm like the perfect consumer when it comes to like music, movies, shit like that. Cause I'm like, if it looks good to me, it's probably going to look good to a majority of the people. If it, if it sounds good to me, if I like a song, it's probably going to sound good to a majority of the people. And when I saw your film, I was like, damn, that's really fucking good. So there's my rating. It was really fucking good. And I'm well, not kissing you. your ass. I'm just <laughs> saying it was, I, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, there could have been a little bit more of me in there. Um, but I understand yeah. you had to cut I mean, out. That was you know. the plan. That was the plan. I just didn't <laughs> just have enough kidding. space. <laughs> <laughs> you picked the right person to cut out. Um, so, but uh, where was I getting to? Matt, did you have any questions at all? You're in and out of this thing. You need to hit your mute button. Hit hit your mute button. Do you see your mute button next to your name? Click it. Okay, I can't hear you now. Okay, now unclick it. All right, we're good. Yeah, you're good. Okay, I'm just making sure your voice is going to record. That's all. I'll cut that part out. Go ahead, Matt. Oh, my God. Never mind. You know what? <laughs> He's burnt. Um, we'll wait for him to come back for his question, then I guess hey, he'll have time to think about it. Um, I kind of went through all the questions, all the major questions that I wanted to ask. Um, I think I do have, like, I freaked your internet out. 
<laughs> All right, ask your question. Um, I just thought that uh, when I remember watching uh, like the documentary when it first came out, and obviously I was not sober, not even planning on being so. I was like, but I remember like the visual of like Taylor, like you know, you can hear that he lived in a camper and everything and like how bad he was and i believed him because I, I was like yeah kind of like i was like yeah my, my guy was not okay but when i saw when i saw that shitty goatee and that was when he was supposed to be okay and then saw like the camper and got the visual and another thing is is like when you're actively in it and even a little bit in early, early on sobriety like you can say like yeah, I know this affected everybody, but you don't understand the grasp at all that it does actually have on people. Like, I know if I go to like a meeting or something on a Saturday night that I don't typically go to, like not as much anymore, but especially early on, there's like a relief on my mom's face when I walk back in the door. Like, okay, he's, you know, he's still sober, <laughs> you know, and it's, it takes a while. And then just the bridges you burn and stuff like that, like, you don't it's something that like us as addicts alcoholics whatever like i'm I'm not going to speak for anybody else but definitely me um you're so self-centered in the fact that like it's like you don't really you're like sensitive to like you know i'm hurting these people but then you're like but i'm going through all this stuff that you can't you can't put yourself in your mom or your friends or like even police officers like i know that i've had run-ins with cops not like super bad but like i was gone and they were like are you okay and i was like yeah dude like i do this you know and like i <laughs> like just having like so many things that could have gone wrong and even just you know i don't know it's wild like and another thing like just with addiction like we try to explain it and we try to like put it so people can understand and like honestly I, the longer I've been in recovery, the less I think I understand about it. You know, I just, I don't really get it. I don't understand why, uh, why I made the call to Taylor to like get better. Cause I honestly, I didn't even really want to get sober. You know, I didn't want to stop drinking. I was just like, I really messed up here, you know? And then, you know, grateful that it's, it's turned out the way it has, but like, I don't know. Like you see some people come into recovery and they're like gung ho about it for a little bit, but recovery's hard. Like it's really hard to like, it's easy as in the fact that it's a simple idea, like stop doing drugs and stop drinking and you'll probably be okay. But it's, I don't know. It's a tricky topic. There's so much to cover with it. And I think that the uh, documentary just shows the the grass that it has as far as, you know, family members, law enforcement, the person living in the camper, eating, be, eating beans, you know, doing their thing and how it changes people, like how you hear Taylor's story. And then you see him now, like with his wife and his son. And I call Taylor for advice and I didn't think I would ever do that. And he gives great advice. And it's just like, what has happened? Like the tables have turned. <laughs> so true hey we heard everything you said though well you bounced in and out a little bit but um so that was really <laughs> hey some of the stuff he said 100 percent true even though it was bouncing in and out you could only hear a little bit of it but um you know the pre i think the important pieces we definitely heard loud and clear i do uh liken the uh the scene where taylor's showing off it's like a junkies version of mtv cribs of his like Charlie he lived in the bucket he shit in it's like <laughs> 10 by 10 baby when i saw that i was floored like i was just like i remember sitting there i was probably shaky and stuff and i was just like <laughs> probably not a good measuring stick oh dude he was my measuring stick for years for years i was just, not only hit no not only him but i was just i mean that's what you do you know you're just like well like i still have a house or like you know but your life could be in shambles and you will find whatever you think is worse and you'll just be like not that bad you know like that's what we do man and i don't under i don't really get it i like i'm telling you like the less i said it, like the longer i've been recovering the less that i i really do understand the less i know and in, in all 
in all honesty, the one thing that I do is when someone talks to me about it, I, I tell them, Hey, uh, honestly, I don't want to sound cheesy, but go listen to our podcast. Like or some of our episodes aren't great, but you can listen to the one with like so-and-so or the one with so-and-so depending on the situation. And I send them the link to Vimeo. Honestly, I send them, Hey, l- watch this documentary. Like just it's, it's 12 minutes or I always say 20 minutes. I didn't know how long it was. You know, it's 20 minutes of your life, but you you can actually get something out of this. And it's it's entertaining, but it's also eye-opening. Um, you know, so these are these are the type of things that, you know, like you said, Caitlin, it's you poured everything into it. You're you're freaking swamp, swamped while you're doing it. You're exhausted after it's over and you're completely done with it. But in the end, you could be saving someone's life with this documentary. You probably have saved someone's life with this documentary. And if, if as many people reach out to us as they do for our little podcast, where a bunch of idiots talk shit, something that you put together and is so beautiful and and perfect in my eyes is like, you probably get people reaching out to you still to this day about your, I do. I still do have people reaching out. It's crazy. Yeah. And it's like, you know, when it's just wild to think about because you start hearing these stories and then, or you'll see someone from high school that you've never talked to, like in your entire life, you were just on different social sides of the platform and you're standing in line for a corn dog or something. And they're like, Hey, great job on the podcast. Or I'm sure you get like great job on the documentary. Like, keep it up. It's like, Whoa, I didn't even think you would be listening to my stuff or watching my stuff. It's like you, you do have an impact and no matter how small it is, you know, I think that's what's so amazing about the project that you did. Do you, are you still filming? Are you still doing like projects and stuff or what's, what's going on? Um, I have a couple uh, projects in the works. Um, still kind of in the planning, figuring out what I'm going to do, if I'm going to do it. Um, I do a little bit of photography on the side. Um, I haven't done too much lately, just a little bit of photography, not really much video. But the goal is to start getting back into it because I I miss it and I enjoy it. Um, so there's there's a couple ideas that I have that I'm throwing around. Um, one of them is actually um, telling Jeremy's story specifically, talking to some of his friends and families and um, just telling his story. Um, I, I just want people to, again, see uh, a little bit more of of the human side. I I always revert to saying the human side. Um, but, but I think that's so important to me that we forget sometimes, um, that we're all just humans and life sucks and, and some people just deal with it differently. Um, so I just, I just want to show hopefully a little bit of who he was to, to other people. Uh, so that they can see, they can see that someone can be willing to take the shirt off their back and give it to you, that, that they would be willing to show up in the middle of the night, um, that they would do anything for you and, and be such a great person, but still, still fight these demons and, and succumb to them. Um, but, but just to show that people aren't alone in, in their struggles and, um, hopefully hopefully make an impact like this film did sure yeah i think that's a phenomenal idea i think that's and and, uh it's funny you mentioned that you had gotten away from it a little bit and missed it because our buddy we just we did a podcast with before anthony he just posted he does motivational mondays and he's well that was the whole premise of it wasn't it taylor like getting away like just taking a break from something you might love to do and and you get away from it for a while and then that's what sparks your passion to get back into it um so maybe that you just need a little bit of that time off and take to, to, you know, miss it and get that passion back. I think going back to that human component every time, um, like you're saying, I think it's important for Jeremy's story, especially because of that, um, that poem that he wrote. I mean, that you put in the documentary, it's like where he talks about being a monster and it's, it's, yeah, it, yeah that's so eloquently put. And like those words just me knowing what I know from the story and knowing who wrote those words, it was so powerful. So, so powerful. Um, and and then, initially the plan was actually to have him read that 
Um, but, but that didn't, that didn't happen. He was too, too deep in addiction by the time I was ready for that. Yeah. Um, but, but even just to be able to include that poem in the beginning is, it means a lot. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty much, he lives on through that film. He, you know, he lives on through that film. He's going to live on through, but if you complete this next project, he's going to live on through Taylor helping others with, with an active addiction. And that's going to spread to Matt helping others eventually when he's ready to help others in active addiction. And as he is now, um, you know, it's going to help me talk, talk to people when they're saying exactly what we all were saying at one point, it's just a choice. It's, you know, you can get out of it easily. Da, 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 da. It's, I don't understand why it's such a problem. You know, it's like, well, you know, I know this one guy, you know, and I know his story and I know, you know, my best friend and what he went through. And, you know, you start opening eyes and every single person you run into one person at a time is how we beat the shit out of this thing. Um, I truthfully believe that and goes back to exactly what you're saying. It's going to be the theme, the human component, just being a, a kind human being, listening to other people, listening to their perspective. It's why we call this podcast an addictive perspective, because you take everyone's and you look at it and you you don't judge. You know, you understand that everyone has their own biases. You understand that everyone has their own. Everyone was a baby at one point. And, and the, the shit that they've been through molds them into the person that they are today. And that's why you can ask them, you know, well, what made you feel that way? And then you can start to have deeper, meaningful conversations without judgment. And that's that's really what it boils down to. And it, Jeremy was lucky to have people like you and Taylor in his life that, you know, were judgment free and, you know, able to sit down and, and listen to him and, you know, try and work through those demons that he was working through. And like you said, unfortunately, he succumbed to the disease. But, um, you know, in his time here, he definitely left an impact. And you guys certainly left an impact on him. So, um, And I don't think that Taylor ever really realized how much he had helped me through the process, too. So he was helping me out by doing this film as it was. Um, but, but also, I was able to sit and talk to him. And he understood. So he could give advice. Um, hey, Jeremy fell off the face of the earth. I haven't heard from him in a couple of days. Um, have you heard from him? Like, what do I do? Um, so not only was he a big part of this project, but just that part of my life. Um, it was very helpful to have someone there to give advice while I went through this with my friend. And, well, I think it's important to... Uh kind of know and remember when it comes to people that deal with you know addiction issues is just because i'm sober is because taylor's sober i mean our stories are different you know like but mm -hmm. um what makes somebody like you know josh's dad like he's helped me with this a lot because i, I when i first came in i just kept beating myself up like why couldn't i just get this sooner he's like dude you're 27 you know, he's like, you know, it took what it took for you to get here, you know, and it's going to have to, you have to want to stay here. Like this is, this is a lifestyle sobriety is for people that want it. He goes, you needed it years ago. He goes, so did I, so did everybody that's, you know, you know, that's, you know, doing this whole deal. And I took me a really long time to grasp that because there's some people where I'm looking like, hey, you, you might want to, you ought to pay attention here, kid. You know what I mean? Like, but it, it, it really does. And it's unexplainable and I don't really get it, but it just, it takes whatever it takes for somebody to be like, all right, like that's enough. Um, and hopefully for me, like that's, you know, everything that, you know, I put everybody through and myself through, that's what it took. And, you know, I can continue to do the things I'm doing. Hopefully the same thing for Taylor. And, but it's so tricky for, to uh, to really grasp when somebody's, you know, ready for it. Because look, early recovery is awful. And I don't think anybody's going to tell you that uh, it's fun. Um, but it does get better. Like if you're struggling, you're like, I can't do this. Yes, you can. You do it one day at a time, you know, and that's a cliche. And when people would tell me that. I wanted to just put them through a window early on, but like I had to break it down like hour, like an hour at a time. Like I was just pacing in my basement for like the first six weeks I was home. Like, I don't think I sat down. <laughs> like I was so messed up. <laughs> like, but, uh, 
it's wild. And like, you know, you, when you hear stories like Jeremy's and I had the opportunity to go to a, a thing or a candlelight visual that Michelle threw for, for Jeremy's journey. And it was cool just to hear other people's, you know, whole deal. And you're just like, but I think what's important for people is just believe in recovery because it happens. It happens every day, you know, like just because, I mean, like Taylor was, there was in jail, you know, five years ago, (laughs) you know, I I wanted to kill myself nine months ago, you know, and Taylor's not in jail now. He's a great dad and he's, you know, helping people recover. I don't want to kill myself anymore. Like this does happen, you know, like that's all I got. That's all. It's good, powerful stuff, Matt. But, but yeah, I heard what you said, Matt. Can you hear us? <laughs> Matt can't hear us at all, but he just keeps talking, and I love it. But I think you know what, that's the the main component that Matt said is, you know, he doesn't want to. <clears throat> in the beginning of recovery, it's like you don't know really how it's going to work out. But I think that's the one thing I can say to people that start out in recovery is like if they're like, well, my life's over, it sucks, da 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 da. I don't know how I'm ever gonna get at, get through this. It's like, well, you're you're still here. Like at, at least you're still here. And that's that's probably the most powerful thing that you can tell someone is like, you're still breathing, you know, and you you have loved ones around you. And even if you burned every bridge, you know, you still can try and rebuild and, and mend those things once you work on yourself. So I mean, Caitlin, do you I like to open it up, you know, do you have any questions for us? Do you have any, like, um, anything that's, have you listened to any of the other episodes where you're like, ah, how'd that come about? Or like, you know, um, I, I don't really think that I have too many questions. Um, I don't think so. I'm, I'm really proud of you guys for coming together and, and making a podcast like this. I think it's something that's, that's needed and it's raw and um I, I think it's just really good really good for the community for people who might be struggling um people who might be struggling to understand addiction um i just i just think it's really good well we appreciate that very much um we're uh nearing the hour mark we try and keep them like an hour a lot of people told us to make them shorter but we said fuck you we're gonna make it as long as we want it um <laughs> So that's how we carry it, as Taylor would say. Let it be known. <laughs> Taylor, do you have any questions for Caitlin? Any further questions? I do not. I do not. But um, yeah, just just kind of maybe my closing remarks. You know, I this whole process, you know, I didn't see the final product until it was in the movie theaters. You know, I saw bits and pieces and stuff. Um, but I was with you, Josh. You know, after it was played with, like, I still can't get over the drone shots. The drone, I think the drone shots is what made it. You know, screw us in it. It was the drone (laughs) shots I made. Between the drone shots and I felt like the transitions were so smooth that it was just, you know, this this is more just boasting Caitlin more than anything, but it was just a phenomenally put together product, final product. Um, and I think, didn't you say, Caitlin, it made it to like a indie film festival too? Um, it made it to New York City, um, Los Angeles, New Jersey. Um, and I think that there was somewhere, Florida, and then maybe, I think there was one overseas that, that played it. Um, so it's, it's had quite, quite a reach. Um, I know you and I did. Um, a Q&A at Lycoming College. Um, I did a Q&A in New York City. Um, so it's it's definitely gotten out there. I think it was, like Taylor said, I I was uh, not expecting that when I got to the movie theater. I was actually pretty excited because I, I don't know, I'm nerdy into that kind of stuff. But I was like, you know, I was like, damn, this is, this is fucking really good. Um, so I just, I'm like a moron. I'm like, I don't understand how she edited all this stuff, but ahead of her time with the drone shots for sure. Yeah, like that saying. was like, the, dude, nobody was doing that. Until no, she did it. no. For real. Like you did they, see drone someone shots. Someone the next year did. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Of course they're going to take yeah. your idea. It was such a great oh, yeah. idea. 
look, you know, that's like when the XFL came out and they took all the rules from the XFL that were great and the NFL started doing it. It's like all these films now have drone shots. Well, thanks, Caitlin Longer. That was the reason. <laughs> yeah. You know, you don't get any credit for that. Right. Then, the gov- then the government's like, oh, shit, we can kill people with these things. <laughs> 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 yeah, so for real. She, she, yeah. <laughs> so for real. Yeah, you were a trendsetter. You're a trendsetter, point blank. Well, thank you. I agree. And I appreciate you sharing my my friend's story and, you know, your friend's story and and a story about a community I grew up in. Um, You know, I grew up 15 minutes down the road from the city that this whole thing was filmed in. So um, it was much appreciated and it was a very powerful film. And I think that you should get applauded more than you have, even though I hope you've been getting applauded a lot. Thank Um, you. Matt, do you have anything to close? Um, no, Caitlin, just thanks for coming on. Um, you know, I think that uh, people, if you, if you want to understand addiction, you don't understand, don't want to understand, you don't understand, you, you can't grasp it, go watch the film because, uh, you know, it might open your eyes to some stuff because it, it's, it is real. Um, it gives you visuals, which are, a lot, which in my opinion are more powerful. That's how I learn more than just hearing people talk about it. Like when you actually see it and you see how people live and you see how it affects other people and you see a look on their face and just the pain in their eyes. And like, you can tell, you can tell, I remember like I watched it yesterday, but like seeing Taylor um, and seeing like when he was talking about just things he did and stuff, just, it was, it, it was newer then than it is now. So like when I hear him share now, it's like, He's a little hardened to it. You know, he shared so many times and everything, but then it was just like, he's kind of still going back and being like, yeah, I did that. And that there's a realness to that when you're in recovery of just, you go back over the things that you did the right away. I think, uh, yeah, you caught Taylor at like the perfect time of his recovery. And I think you also caught like the wave of the opioid pa- opiate pandemic in our area too. I think it was like, you nailed it. Um, certainly on the issue but uh all right so we're running over time um but thank you caitlin for coming on i don't know if there's anything you know get on there and check it out i'll i'll get the link up for people who listen to this no limits no boundaries um and then obviously if caitlin does get back up on the horse and start making films again which she better um because we're going to get on her case about it now that she said, you know, we'll share it on an addictive perspectives page and all that. And maybe we could link up and try and do a, another podcast episode where you talk about that a little bit and hype up the, the new film. Um, so Taylor, what do you want to leave the people with? Oh, you put me on the spot. Don't you? Um, I don't want people out there to think that, um, just because someone overdoses five, six, seven times in Jeremy's case, 11. Um, I don't want people thinking, um, just because someone can't stop using, um, it's solely a choice or it's solely a moral dilemma. Um, what I equate to what happened to Jeremy, um, you know, a million people can say he overdosed 11 times with that. How is that not enough? And, you know, maybe on the outside looking in to some people would be, um, but it didn't have anything to do with him not wanting to get clean. It is just truly, it is truly a testament of how powerful addiction is. Um, it's cunning, baffling and powerful. And, um, you know, we see, we see all these sad stories and we see all these tales of people overdosing and dying. Um, and that's why it's important to get out messages of hope. But the reason why you see so many maybe sadder stories than, you know, stories filled with hope, because point blank, that is, uh, me and Matt and everybody else who's in sobriety, we are extremely fortunate to be in the positions we are in um, because we are a very, very, very small percentage of people that actually get this. Um, And there's a lot of people um, that will sadly never make it to the position we are in. Um, So when you think addiction is just a choice of sticking the rig in your arm or not, 
um, quite frankly, addiction is life or death. And that's why it's such a serious topic that needs to be um, probably taken more seriously. Amen to that, man. Amen to that. Um, I think, you know, it's a perfect opportunity just to leave our listeners with the fact that every day people are dying and, uh, this disease is taking people's lives. And, um, you know, I know, uh, it's a big factor on why all of us are doing what we're doing in our life. And the conversations that we have is in remembrance of those people. So, you know, if you're out there and you're struggling, uh, reach out to us. We'll try and connect you with the right people. Um, and if you, you know, have lost somebody to to the disease and you need someone to talk to or lend an ear, feel free to reach out. You know how to get a hold of us. Um, but yeah, we're here. So um, I don't know what else to say. I mean, Matt, you got to send us off the way you always send us off. I, you know, even if we're going out dark or not. Dude, we never got we never go out dark. There's never we're never ever going out dark. You ain't got nothing. You got nothing holding you back, man. Sobriety fucks. <laughs> Amen. We love everybody. Thanks for listening.